Hi, this is Lindsey Miller, and you're listening to the Arkansas Times Week Interview Podcast for the week ending Friday, June the 4th. On this week's edition, we're going to talk about Arkansas Democrat Gazette publisher Walter Hussman and the controversy surrounding journalist Nicole Hannah-Jones in the University of North Carolina Journalism Department. We'll also talk about the state of Arkansas's massive revenue surplus and a federal lawsuit filed by a lawyer who alleges his contract with the state was terminated because he criticized a lawmaker for supporting anti-transgender laws. I'm joined, as usual, by Mac Brantley. Afternoon. So, uh, it's it's been somewhat of a slow news week, but the, the, the big story, at least for the Arkansas blog, I think, has been uh, this this new wrinkle and what's been a national story about the University of North Carolina Board of Trustees intervening to uh, deny uh, decorated journalist Nicole Hannah-Jones a tenured professor job despite the recommendations of, uh, of the college administration and the, the journalism department. And then emerged over the weekend that uh, Democrat Gazette publisher Walter Hussman, who is an alum of the journalism department and whose family has pledged $25 million uh, to the department, uh, which earned uh, a name change. So it's now the Hussman Journalism Department had had lobbied to uh, to prevent to to deny Hannah Jones this job because of her work on the 1619 project yeah i mean it's a heck of a story and and of course it only finally was mentioned today in an ap story in in husband's own newspaper which i think is really journalistic malpractice but not the first episode of that by the democrat gazette but a couple of uh alternative news outlets in, in north carolina developed this story and the first one was something called north carolina policy watch and they they unearthed that there'd been pressure on the board of trustees not to give tenure to the sixteen nineteen project creator, and so they didn't, and uh, and that was a first for somebody for one of these distinguished professorship. And at that time, I thought, I wonder what Walter Hussman thinks about this. That was the pregnant question all along. Well, a, a new outfit called the Assembly, a, a nonprofit journalism organization, got totally to the bottom of it, and with the FOI unearthed emails and it, it developed that Hussman had written and had communicated with the head of the journalism school, which got his money with a member of the board of trustees with somebody who raised his money for the university and others and raised a number of questions about Nicole Hannah Jones. And, and, and there were several things about the story that were enticing to me. Number one, Hussman, a newspaper publisher, who has put his supposed creed of journalistic principles on, on a plaque on the, the journalism school name for himself, somehow was offended, seemed to be, that his emails had been released. These were just supposed to be private communications, he said. And these were emails with a public institution, which is subject to the Freedom of Information Act, which his own newspaper used within the last week to get emails about naming stuff for J. William Fulbright at the University of Arkansas, which is perfectly appropriate, by the way. Not a thing wrong with that. And so now he gets... And then, and then further reporting, he just kept digging a hole, I thought. He kept saying, well, I wasn't trying to influence anybody, and I wasn't trying to pressure anybody. I was just letting 
trying to tell both sides of the story about Nicole Hannah-Jones. Well, in the process, he apparently he misstated some of the things she's written. She said she's a separatist. She's not. She's for school integration. Said some and, and, and mischaracterized her work. But the thing that rubbed me most raw, and it was, and it's obviously I have a personal angle in this because I worked for the Arkansas Gazette, which Hussman ran out of business. But he went on and on about, I just didn't know if she believed in, in, in good journalism, that she believed in a separation between news and opinion and just reporting the facts and reporting opinion. Well, first of all, what Nicole Hannah-Jones wrote about slavery was presented as commentary. It was an opinion piece to begin with. Second of all, she's a, a much lauded journalist and doesn't need to explain her background to Walter Husband. But third of all, Walter Husband won the newspaper war in part by his employment of John Robert Starr for 14 years as his managing editor, in which he ran the news reporting staff. And also wrote a daily opinion column, a highly opinionated column on politics and everything else. And to my point of view, Walter Husband says credibility is everything for a newspaper, and he has none. After Starr left, he employed an editor who rewrote the history of school desegregation in Little Rock to suit the opinion of his father, who'd represented a segregationist group during that fight. He, uh, lauded annually a Confederate spy in Little Rock. Uh, they refused to recognize the names of foreign countries because somehow it doesn't follow with their view, their worldview. He didn't think it was news when we had multiple executions in one day. I mean, to get lessons on journalism from Walter Hussman is rich, you know? I mean, it just really is. But, of course, and apart from that, you know, and then the other part of this is this is a national story. And it, there, there's legislation in every Republican-controlled state to stifle what is said about racial conflict in America. And this in North Carolina is just more the same. Husband seems really offended by the notion of reparations, for example, the talk of some kind of payment in some fashion to the people who were victimized by four centuries of slavery and the after effects of it. It's nothing but an ideological point of view, and it's the one held by Republicans in the Arkansas legislature's fresh office session in which that notion was advanced in any number of ways. You know, you and I have just had this long discussion before the phone call about the school we both attended, Washington Lee University, where after a year studied the board of trustees, a bunch of old white men mostly, said they're not going to get rid of Lee's name. And, and because despite the fact that he was a traitor and a slave owner and was brutal to his enslaved people and lost the war besides. I mean, we're in this moment where it's sort of a political battle over these things. And in a lot of venues, the lost cause is still prevailing despite the outcome of the war. And so, you know, it's just not over with yet. And, uh, but the, Husband is, is sticking to his guns in, in, in subsequent interviews. He's trying mightily to explain himself to my point of view. He's not doing a very good job. I would hope and think he isn't winning himself a lot of friends with the dwindling number of newspaper readers with this kind of nonsense. I mean, for one thing, and, and he's not alone in this, newspapers in their news coverage generally reflect the sensibilities of their owners. And there's no better example than Democrat Gazette's heavy influence 
of his belief in charter schools and school vouchers and tearing apart the public school district, particularly if they employ a teacher's union. It's reflected in their news coverage. People who work there say that's a fact of life. Too many of them say it. For, it's not just me observing this from afar. This is what people who work there say. And so, again, it's, you know, the, the notion that he's out there telling this woman that somehow she's not good enough to be a professor to school name for him. It, uh, it's pretty, it's pretty pathetic. Well, and of course, the, the disingenuous frame from the board of trustees and for, from Hussman was, we don't think Nicole Hannah-Jones is a good fit because she's just going to bring controversy to uh, the department. But this is blown up to, to such a degree that a, a prominent uh, chemistry professor who was about to take a job at the university declined because of, of the fallout. Related. No, so she doesn't want any part of the University of North Carolina. And I think I read today there's another foundation that, that supports North Carolina. And of course, it's in, in a way, it occurred to me, I've just seen the headline, I haven't read all the details yet, but so that they want to be sure that Nicole Hannah-Jones is treated fairly. Well, you know, I mean, I guess that's kind of taking sides. Somebody's giving money is taking sides, too. At least they're doing it openly, not in secret, as Hussman intended to do. I mean, but give me a break. When you talk to members of the Board of Trustees and the chair of the school that you just gave $25 million to, you can, you can say that ain't pressure, but I say he's a quacking duck. Yeah, I mean, you have to be... You have to be uh, have no sort of um, sense of of yourself to 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 make a mistake to to frame it that way. No self awareness. Uh, his husband's daughter Eliza Gaines, who's the managing editor, which is the top editor at the paper, is also an alumnus of the university. So, um, how if at all the newspaper addresses this going forward would be interesting to watch. Well, I, here, here's, here's one more thing about it, though, and this is very current and very Arkansas. This now puts a prism on all their coverage of these issues in Arkansas. I mean, unavoidably. And everything he's continued to say, he says that, oh, journalists are, are not supposed to give their opinions in public. Well, he's done it in the last week in any number of interviews. He's made it clear how he feels about her, how he feels about the 1619 Project, how he feels about racial inequities and how they're treated in America. And so this now puts a filter on everything that newspaper does. And if he says otherwise, he's a liar. All right, let's leave it there and move on to, I guess, the, the most consequential story of the week. And that was uh, the uh, latest revenue report. State of Arkansas has racked up uh, in this budget year almost a billion dollars of, uh, of revenue over what was projected. And Governor Hutchinson made the announcement through a tweet and said, thanks to belt tightening, we have all this money. And so now we can cut taxes. And he got uh, ratioed, as they say on Twitter, from all sorts of people pointing out better ways to spend the money than cutting taxes. But well, I've, I've been watching this coming for months and, and I knew right where it was heading. And that was to a billion dollar surplus. And the surplus is really bigger than that because we've all, we've also got a rainy day fund we're pouring money into, and we've got other reserve funds. The state is a washing money. In fact, you know the highway department just lost a hundred twenty million dollar lawsuit. They said, "Oh well, we got some money elsewhere to make up for that. No big deal." 
But what I knew was going to happen was exactly what's happened is he said, let's take that money and give people a tax cut. And when he says a tax cut, he means a cut in the top income bracket from 59 to 5.5% for everybody making more than $80,000 a year. And that, by the way, is for a married couple making up to $160,000 a year. And if they do that kind of tax cut, the about 75% of the benefit will go to people making more than $500,000 a year. That's just the arithmetic. Now, we've got, <clears throat> we've got schools where teachers may get a 2% raise this year, maybe, but they're going to lose most of it because of the huge increase that's going to be required in health insurance payments. We've got prisons that are hurting for money. We've got state police cars that are, that are old and, and needing replacement. We have, we, have, we have poor people that need, need housing assistance, food assistance, any number of... We could have universal pre-K in Arkansas, which would be of incalculable benefit to the state, but he'd rather give a tax cut to rich people under the theory that it's going to somehow make the state grow and make more people come here. There's just no showing in statistics anywhere that that's how it works. The most prosperous states in the country are some of the highest tax states. States that have low income tax or none, like Texas, have other means of taxing people, high property taxes, high franchise taxes. This is, this is, it's just a myth that the Republicans just, they just love it. They've always loved it and there's just no dissuading them from it. And it's just going to happen. I think there's a small movement to at least when we cut taxes to do something <clears throat> about an earned income tax credit for working poor people. But I think that's going to be hard to pass because the Arkansas legislature just has no respect for poor people. They think they deserve their lot. If they just work hard and get elected to the legislature, they'd be okay too. It's just beyond depressing. I mean, the, the the people this will affect the most, as you point out, are the people for whom they make so much money that it's almost an abstract concept. The idea that that this is going to influence people to stay in Arkansas, to come to Arkansas, or it's going to lead to job creation, it's just not borne out by any sort of evidence. Well, first of all, money doesn't respect state borders. If you give the Waltons, and, and, and I don't use their name loosely, a tax cut like this would be worth millions to them. They're going to put their capital where they can earn the best return on it. It might be in Arkansas. It might be in a certificate of deposit. It might be in an offshore bank account. I don't know. I mean, that's just not how it works. That's not, that's not, not the way it goes. You go where your money gets the best return. And do you want to invest it in a state with crappy education and terrible health results and a and an ignorant population that won't get their shots because they think it's some kind of conspiracy of some sort. I mean, I, I wouldn't. I mean, I just don't see Apple or Microsoft or Google or anybody else saying, man, Arkansas, that's where I want to be. Amazon for a big warehouse to sell us some underwear? Sure. All right, well, let's move on to our final topic, and, and that's this interesting lawsuit. Uh, Casey Copeland Prairie Grove lawyer filed in federal court this week against two officials of the state Supreme Court's administrative office of the courts for terminating his contract to represent children in dependency neglect cases. He says that's because he wrote critically to uh, lawmaker Charlene Fight, um, chastising her for her vote on um, anti-transgender legislation well 
I got to say, this looks like a lay down to me. Because, <laughs> I mean, there's there's a, a pretty solid record of all of this, and it's pretty simple. You got a guy who had a, about a $40,000 a year contract to represent children in dependency and neglect cases. In fact, he'd even had his work expanded by the administrative office of the courts, which is run by the Arkansas Supreme Court. He writes a letter to Charlene Fight saying this transgender bill is a bad bill. I mean, it's probably gonna it's probably unconstitutional. And he signs, he uses a standard email form that mentions that he is an ad litem uh, by profession. And I think it included maybe the the web address of the administrative office of the courts, which he'd done once before two years ago in writing a letter to her about some other piece of legislation, not criticizing her, but it was not controversial. Well, she says it was just improper for him to mention his job as an ad litem in a letter to her. And within 48 hours after she got, well, within three hours after she'd gotten the email, it was in the hands of the administrative office of the court. And within 48 hours, he'd lost his job there, and they wouldn't tell him why, and they haven't responded. They're, they're apparently going to say it was because he mentioned he was an ad litem in an email. As he's pointed out, there's a personnel manual for officers, for employees, the administrative office of the court, that doesn't say you may not use your address and, and communication. But this this is real simple. He Government cannot restrict your First Amendment right by taking your job away from you for saying something they don't like. They just they, they just can't do it. And that's what they did here. You know, the administrative office of the court was just scared off by, by a, an angry, nasty legislator, Charlene Fight. And she she's not at all sorry about it. She she admitted to me, yes, yeah, so it's just because he put a he shouldn't have called himself an Adelaide. And that was just wrong. Well, he is. I mean, there's I mean, he wasn't using that in any sort of influence, except for the fact that he has some knowledge of how difficult family situations are, and perhaps he should be listened to on things like the unconstitutional and punitive transgender health care ban she supported. So anyway, I, I like case I like Casey Copeland's chances of winning. He he's uh, filed a suit in federal court, so he didn't have to work about worry about the Arkansas Supreme Court. Fortunately for him. <laughs> Just, just put this uh, on the bill for all that the state will have to pay in legal fees. Yeah, this is another ACLU suit. They're suing over the transgender bill. They're suing over an abortion bill. They're, and I think there are more to come. I mean, th- this this legislation was just out of control completely. All right, well, let's move on to endorsements. What do you got this week? Uh, you know, just... I mean, mindless entertainment. I went to the movie for the first time, an actual movie theater, and saw uh, Dream Horse. It's a movie filmed in Wales, and it's uh, it was it was. I mean, it's just a formulaic horse race movie, but it was just it was just great. <laughs> it was just with a ha- happy ending and not a lot of Wales scenery, and I I, I recommended uh, recommended uh uh. uh Oh, what's her name? Tony Collette. Is that her name? Tony. Yeah. The actress. She's great in it. And Damian Lewis. There. Anyway, great, great actors. Great photographer, character actors. Good stuff. And uh, what's the other mindless? Thing? Oh, I started rereading a, a, a Jane Smiley book, a trilogy about an Iowa multi generations of an Iowa family. It's just kind of a giant three volume set of a Iowa farm families' growth and 
dramas through the years. It's just a huge written soap opera. And I don't rewrite books very often, but uh, I just pick these up and I don't know. Uh, she's a, she tells a good tale. I recommend Jane Smiley. All right. That sounds good. Well, I'm uh, just 10 pages away from finishing the Southern Reach trilogy uh, by Jeff Vandermeer. I may have talked about the first book a while back. Uh, it, Vandermeer's a like, very literate science fiction writer who writes a lot about uh, kind of nature and environmental global warming kind of adjacent things. This is all about some uh, it's called Area X, this mysterious um, mysterious kind of area in some uh, unnamed part of the United States that where the normal laws of nature are, are, are not working. It's nothing that you would like, I'll say, but uh, <laughs> it's just incredibly weird, really compelling. It's a it's a trilogy. Uh, the first book is about kind of an exploration into the the area X. The second book is about the agency that that administers the explorations and is kind of this has kind of a workplace drama aspect to it and, and critique of bureaucracy. And then the third book kind of brings everything together. But if you're looking for something a little odd but page turnery. I'd recommend it. He's got a, and I'm also reading he his first young adult book to my uh, soon to be 11 year old son, and it's we're only 100 pages in, still barely know what's going on, but it is like a multi dimensional fantasy where Alistair Crowley uh, is practicing magic in some obscure world and. The disembodied head of Napoleon is his military advisor, and, and Jules Verne and H.G. Wells are rival inventors, and it's wacky, but we're having fun with it. Crazy. All right. Well, thanks for listening, all. Have a, have a safe and happy weekend, and we'll be back next week. See you around.